seeking collaborations with influential people, at GZPR, we create passion-fueled collaborations that go beyond traditional representation, a performance agency that onboards new clients every month. Our focus is on POC collaborations. Contact us now at hellogzpr.com, a self-aware public relations agency exploring world perspectives with leading talents. Hello and welcome. My name is Tiffany Farag and welcome to Get to Know You, a podcast for those who want to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, where conversations can become stronger when we explore our thinking and behavior. Every Tuesday, a new question will be asked to a guest speaker. Genuine people here to have insightful conversations. A big announcement, a new course has started called How to Get to Know You. We'll be giving away the first lesson for free on the website. The link is available in the show description. My guest speaker today is a self-worth and empowerment coach with both a degree and professional background in psychology. She spent three years working as a therapist, providing direct one-to-one sessions to kids and families. In 2020, Dee decided to transition to work as a coach. Having worked with two different coaches herself and taken on a coaching certification course, she began working with clients one-on-one and has done so far the past nine months. Dee's main focus is self-worth and empowerment by providing tools, conversations, and activities that allow her clients to find the necessary answers they are seeking and gain control over their life, self-worth, and their decisions. Welcoming Dee Talatinian to get to know you. Welcome, Dee. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. So, wow. So, so initially you started working with different coaches. So your background's in psychology, but you started working with different coaches, which is why you're coaching at the moment. Yes. So I, um, it's actually interesting how that started, but, um, throughout, um, the quarantine and everything before the quarantine, I was getting really interested into holistic health. So started learning about, you know, naturopaths and essential oils and through essential oils, I started, um, to come into contact with people called coaches and I wasn't quite sure what that meant. And I always like to learn things. I like to grow. So I thought, okay, well, why not work with a coach and see what it is they do and how it differs from psychology? Because everything I'd read online was how they help people become the best versions of themselves. And more or less, that's what we do in psychology as well, you know, trying to help people with trauma or pain or any issues. And so I started working with a coach one-on-one, mainly to just gain a perspective on what coaching looks like. I also joined a coaching program. So it was a six week program. It was, it's called Limitless Program by Ryan Drake. And it's a group program. And I joined with the purpose of, you know, really getting to see what coaching is like. And I loved it. I loved the activities that he gave us. I loved the way that it really just empowered the person to take control and, you know, take ownership of the change that you want in your life. So if you're having any issues, like here are some tools that you can use, but it is really down to you to make the changes. And I really like that. Um, And I wanted to start doing that as well for my clients. So that's kind of what, you know, started my transition. That's fantastic. And why is your focus self-worth and empowerment? Why is that your main focus? Where did, what, what did you find in your experience? Well, that actually came from more life experience than experience as a coach. So my entire life, I always noticed how women 
how women's worth is always so correlated to what they're doing in their profession, how they're providing for their family, um, you know, how, how they look on the outside, how accomplished they feel. And I was surrounded by all these amazing women, you know, women that I worked with, my friends, my mom, and they never really appreciated themselves. They never really saw themselves for how wonderful they are and how powerful they are. There was always these things that they just allowed themselves or a better way to say it is like, there's these things that they just had internally that was bringing themselves down. So it was Mm. almost like they were making themselves small and they were incapable of seeing how, how powerful they are. And a lot of the times this, you know, created horrible situations for them. Some of my friends allowed people to treat them really badly, whether it was their boss or a partner or a family member. Some of my, you know, closer relationships, they didn't really know who they are. They were afraid to show who they really were because other people wouldn't accept it. And so it became more important to fit into the social standard than to be true to themselves. And I always found that so hard because I could see them for who they really were. They would always open up to me and I always asked me for advice and I've always felt powerless. And all I really wanted to do was just somehow get them to see themselves through my eyes. And so I thought, you know, why not create programs and create coaching that really empowers women and men to see themselves for who they truly are and to stand strong in who they are, regardless of what's happening outside. Wow, that's so beautiful. I love that so much. And I like that you, you, you know, you saw a problem in something around you and you're like, no, I need to help the situation. I, I need to, I, I, and you made that your focus. So that's, that's incredible. Yeah. So ha- what, what are some tools that you are and activities and things that you do provide for your, for your patients or clients? Well, the main thing that I really focus on is the relationship that my clients have with themselves, right? Everything mm-hmm. leads back to that. So um, it's all about having them introduce themselves to themselves again, if that makes sense. So it's like a get to know you from scratch. So I have them do, you know, personalities and tests. I have them answer a bunch of questions and questions that are quite simple, things that kids ask each other all the time. Like, what do you like? What do you dislike? What excites you? But things that people don't really ask themselves. So it's all these like prompts and questions. That's what my coaching always starts with, where they really get to, you know, start thinking, okay, what do I like? What do I stand for? What makes me uniquely me? Um, that then leads into learning how to stand up for those things that you like, how to bring those things that you like into your life. So there's a huge amount of activities that I do with each client and I do have a set program, but I really do like to mold it from person to person. So I wouldn't say that each person gets the same tools or the same exercises. Um, there's a lot like I said about, you know, there's a lot of questions really making them think there's a lot of journal prompts that I will send them a lot of time, either meditation or journaling is one of the activities that I ask them to do. Removing social media is a really great one. I like to push that really hard, minimizing phone time, minimizing comparison, trusting in themselves and their decisions. But when I say tools, it's not so much physical tools. It's not like, okay, like here's a PDF of tools that will help you. And you can always refer to these when you're going through life. It's more like learning how to check in with themselves, you know, Mm. and like having them check in with themselves on a daily basis throughout my program so that when they leave the program, that becomes a natural habit. Okay. I don't feel well today. Why is that? Like having and creating that space to say, okay, what's not okay? How can I fix it? Rather than just like putting yourself in situations that don't feel okay. Because one thing that I can never guarantee and no coach could ever guarantee is that everything will just be smiles and rainbows from here on out. Regardless of, 
whether you're not you're working with the best coach in the world life is always going to throw something unexpected at you that's that's life and so the main tool that i try to create and it looks different for every client is that they know how to maneuver these situations to their best capabilities but also in alignment with themselves and not with what they think they should be doing or what others would want them to do that's fantastic. I like that. And I like that it's not something that's in a PDF, as you said, and it's something and like just checking in with yourself. Like a lot of people don't know how to do that. Like Even if you say yeah. it, have you checked in with yourself? People are like, what? What does that mean? Like they don't yeah. know what, what that means. Like what, like ask yourself, like, what am I feeling right now? What, you know, what's, what, what's happening? How, why aren't I feeling this? Why aren't I feeling good right now? How do I make myself feel better? For sure. It's almost like we normalize pain and we normalize suffering. And I think a huge part of that is society it's like it's okay to work hard and it's okay to be exhausted at your job and it's okay because this is life and life is hard and that saying that life is hard is just something that we normalize internally and so we don't then question it oh I'm not feeling okay that's fine that's life life is hard right so it's about teaching people no it's life shouldn't be hard life can be just a pure joy but it's about learning what's wrong and then fixing it and changing and moving accordingly that's fantastic. And do you find that you have to, like, does it vary significant? Can it vary significantly from person to person? A hundred percent. I think that what I've, I mean, one of the things that I've really noticed, what really varies from person to person is how open they are to spirituality and how open mm-hmm. they are to psychology. So if someone's coming to coaching and, you know, they they immediately make it clear that they they don't really know they chose this because they didn't want to do psychology or they don't really have any sort of faith in any sort of spirituality and are not open to any of that. It usually takes a lot longer to work through through it with them um, because they also have a very closed minded mentality most in most cases. Um, and they're very set in their ways and they just think that something external has to change for them to feel better. And so having them go internal is a lot harder, whereas someone who is up, open to spirituality, someone who um, has either you know already done some shadow work or ego work or someone who does meditation or is open to meditation, open to journaling, open to you know taking charge and taking responsibility of their own pain and suffering, they usually do the best. They usually do my three-month program and then that's it. They're done. They're great. They, you know, usually the last two sessions are even just open-ended sessions where we can just discuss anything that we need to, but they just smash it. Whereas, um, like I said, the other kind of people, they usually stay on for either a month or two more, depending on how long they need. Um, I have had other clients stay on a lot longer. And yeah, I do find that it really, really varies from person to person. I also think stuff that has happened in childhood um a lot of time it's harder to unlearn so if there is some sort of limiting belief or behavior that you have learned as a kid and that has been repeatedly taught to you as a kid it is very hard to unlearn that unless you are consistent with it so for a lot of clients if that's the case then we are consistently on the same subject you know we're just refocusing on that subject whereas someone else who's maybe you know just dealing with some more recent behaviors or recent trauma or recent blockages it's much easier to push that past that it's much easier to change your perspective on that um, and for them to have this self-realization quicker and so we can maneuver through other topics fantastic and so with those with those patients or clients you call them patients or clients i kind of say clients but sometimes patients like sips okay. out. <laughs> <laughs> <So> clients. With, <laughs> with those clients uh 
what is the turning point? How, like, I know it takes longer, but what, what, how, what happens in their minds? What's the shift that allows them to become a bit more open to these things? Self-awareness. The minute that person starts to show that they're self-aware. So um, if a person's like, you know, let's say, for example, at the beginning of, of the coaching program, the person is talking about how they have this roommate and they're having all these issues with this roommate and they're just always complaining about the roommate and the roommate won't do this and the roommate won't do that and the roommate and the roommate and the roommate. So I will touch on topics such as boundaries and like how to say no and how to stop apologizing, um, how to stand firm in yourself. Um, but when you're dealing with someone else who consistently crosses your boundaries and is consistently doing something to upset you, it is for you to take ownership and to say, okay, is the situation that bad? Do I want to move out of this house? Is it, what can I do for myself to feel more comfortable? And so when that person that comes to me and says, look, my roommate does this, and I've had this realization that this happens all the time, regardless of what I'm doing, I can no longer feel supported and safe in this living situation, or I can no longer expect my roommate to change. I have to just accept that this person is this way and learn to, you know, maneuver my anger a different way. That's a huge turning point. That's when that person can start making decisions and changes to benefit themselves. Yeah, uh, that makes a lot of sense. You know, self-awareness is, you know, where uh, a lot of people need to continue working on. Like, you know, you, for sure. you need to stop for a minute and go, oh, wait, what am I, what, what am I, how is my actions comp- contribute, contributing to this and how can I change them? A hundred percent. And I think, you know, self-awareness, it's, it's in everything, like, and everyone has those moments where we like to blame life and, oh, I'm so unlucky and life is hard and I've just had a really bad week and the universe is out to get me. And, you know, we, we all have those instances, but the more you start training your self-awareness, the more you can just be like, okay, so today is a bad day. I'm not enjoying it. What can I do to feel better? It's mm-hmm. that asking yourself, how can I change this? How can I take charge and maneuver this situation to make it better? And if I can't, practicing, you know, just acceptance. Um, yeah. But yeah, again, that's that's reaching to another point. Sure, sure. So as you're as you're coaching people, are you bringing in like is it like somehow it can become a psychology session? Like, or it, so there's it certain stay... topics that I won't. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I do bring a lot of my psychology background in with me. But there is definitely certain topics that I won't discuss. Um, anything where the person's been diagnosed. So if a person's been diagnosed with an eating disorder or depression or, you know, clinical anxiety or anything like that, that's not something that I discuss. I will refer them to someone else. Um, I will discuss anxiety if someone, you know, is experiencing it, um, but has not been officially diagnosed with it. Um, as well, if someone's going through a really hard time and this feeling very low um, or like they're stuck in a rut, I will discuss those things and I will try to help them. Um, the way that the session feels, whether it feels more like psychology or more like coaching, I find really varies from person to person. I really Mm. mold myself. So there's a lot of people where it starts off more like psychology sessions in the sense that they just need to talk. They need to get it out. They, I will ask questions to bring up things and it really does just feel like a psychology session. Once I feel that they are much more comfortable and that, pain and trauma and whatever has sort of been pulled out of them I do then transition into more coaching of like okay this is what we're going to do here's how we're going to attack these things here's how you're going to get proactive and it becomes much more hands-on and the dynamic also changes right so so is coaching then 
uh, or how you're doing it. It so- sounds like it's more like once you get into the coaching p- aspect of it, it's more um, action based. Like, how do we fix this problem? Like, what are, yes. what are we going to do now? Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about empowering the client to take action and to solve the problem for themselves. So I think like talk therapy is so healing for trauma and things where it just, you know, you need to come to that realization of like, this is what's been holding me down. This is what's been my blockage. This is what's been my pain. Um, And then coaching is that aspect of it where it's like, okay, now how do we move forward? So it's almost like future thinking, present thinking, whereas a lot of the, at least the psychology that I bring in, it's very past-based. So talking about your past issues and your pain and talking about your relationships and, you know, maybe how you grew up in your house or something that you've been holding on from the past. Um, And then the coaching aspect of it is, yeah, like I said, very future forward. Like, how do we get proactive about this? How can we, can can we prevent this from happening in the, in the future? Um, But again, it is always very client-based. So it's trying to find what works best for the client. So for some people, journaling is such a great tool. They're just like, you know, ever since I started journaling, like, I feel like any issue I can just overcome it. I'm like, that's great. That's perfect. And for others, journaling and meditation and all that stuff that is good for most doesn't do anything. So we have to try and see what works for that person. Maybe, you know, doing some more sports or maybe getting a bigger support group or, you know, maybe some activities that I have that I can then give that person to support them with that specific area. Mm. That's great. I like how you're able to to adjust to the you know adjust to the person. It's not like okay, well if this is this it works and tough cookies kind of thing. Or like just try this. <laughs> <laughs> so like you it try has, and it, find a solution. It does happen where I have an activity in mind and the client will come back and be like, nope, nope, nope. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> give it another try. You know, this is the yeah. one that there's resistance there and it feels uncomfortable because you're about to unpack something big. So I do really invite in feedback as well from my clients. So if there's, I call it like homework or grow work. Um, I kind of stole that grow work from another coach. I loved it. And I heard it and I was like, yep, <laughs> love that. That sounds great. Cause you're growing. So um, each week the client kind of gets a bit of grow work. Um, it starts off really basic with like journaling prompts and then it just gets more and more intense. So if a client comes back and is like, oh, I didn't do this grow work this week. If they're like, I tried it, you know, I didn't really have any reaction to it. I just don't feel comfortable. I don't want to continue doing it. Fine. But if the client's like, I just didn't really want to do it and I can see their whole body is scrunching up and their tone of voice has changed and I can feel the resistance coming through the screen. I'm like, we're going to keep that one on the agenda for next week. And we're going to keep that on until, you know, you get through that. And if right now is not the time for you to get through that, I completely respect that. I'm going to keep adding it into your grow work. And whenever you feel like you're ready to do it, I would encourage you to do it. So it's not a question of doing it or not. It's just a question of when is that person feeling comfortable and capable of doing it. Yeah, they do say like when 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 you are trying to you're doing these different things and you're working on yourself, when you do have this resistance to do and or, or being in that such strong uncomfortable state is when you know okay then um, something's coming up. I am growing, you know. It's I'm meant to be going through this. This is this growth happens in uncomfortable moments. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the the things that I read most on Instagram is like growth is in the uncomfort zone or you got to get out of your comfort zone to grow. And it's it's really true. It's really uncomfortable. Um, But everything that I worked on or do work on with my clients is stuff that I've either, you know, done from myself or adapted from the coaching program that I did or, you know, from my past experience with my friends and from the coaching course that I did my certification in. So these are all things that I have tried and tested on myself. And I can definitely say that there's some things 
um, that just never worked for me. And I tried my best and it wasn't that it was uncomfortable. It just had no effect. And so I also understand that that can happen with my clients, but yeah, like if it's uncomfortable, it usually means like that's the push that you need to, you know, dig into and just go for it and let it happen. And that's usually when they come back and just like, oh my God, that felt amazing. I love that grow work. Like I did it three times or I did it with, you know, maybe it's a grow work where you have to reconnect with someone or you have to write a forgiveness letter to someone or a gratitude letter for someone. And if they, they then did it for five people instead of one people, because it just felt so great. And that's always really lovely to hear when they then take that initiative themselves. Cause they're like, okay, this was such a great release. I want to release even more and they have that drive to like keep pushing for themselves it's really beautiful yeah that sounds so beautiful I love that so much and as you were saying there um it was when you were talking about yourself and something's not working for you out of curiosity what did not work Oh, I am statements. So I love mirror work. I love looking at myself in the mirror, giving myself a big smile. You know, I love um, having really, really great body appreciation. So when I was younger, I used to look in the mirror and only notice the things that I don't like and then like stand in the mirror and pick at it. Whereas now I like look at the mirror and I I smile at myself. I'll give myself a thumbs up. You know, I'll look at my body and I'll appreciate my body. Um, But I am statements. Just don't do it for me. I can stand and I can say those things and it doesn't feel genuine. Um, I got I am statements in that coaching program, the six week one that I mentioned previously. And the coach, he's so amazing. He tells you how to do it. He even asks you to make videos of it and send it to him so he can give you some adjustments. He has you do a little bit of breath work beforehand to get into the mentality of it. And it really looks like such an effective, you know, activity. And it worked for so many other people on that program. But for me, it just it felt forced. Um And it felt ungenuine. And so I found that just saying nice things to myself, like have a nice day and oh my God, I love your hair today. And like making it more personal. So still saying things to myself in the mirror, which is so much more effective for me. It's so funny you said that because I also have the same feeling about that. (laughs) And I I heard this other, it's not a coach, but it's um, a teacher of some sort. He was talking about saying, not I am this, it's like, why am I this? why am I blah 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 and it's supposed to have a stronger effect he's a neuroscientist actually he's a neuroscientist he was amazing I am it's like why am I you know why am I worthy yeah because it makes you answer it it brings up thought it challenges it I like that yeah and so it's supposed to have a stronger effect on a neuro neuropsychological level amazing yeah Yeah. that's really beautiful yeah maybe see what happens if you Maybe that's I'm going to try that out tonight. Try that out. Exactly. <laughs> try that out. Try that out. So listeners, we, our question today, and I'm going to ask you about this as well with relative, because you obviously you work with people from different cultures, you work with different mm-hmm. cultures. And so, obviously, you know, it's so interesting how self-empowerment and self-image obviously will differ from culture to culture of the person, different, you know, wherever they are in the world, their, their religions sure. and so on and so on. So listeners, the question is, how does culture alter connection? But before getting into that, how has your coaching differed when you do work with different cultures? Do you notice a big difference or is yes. it in so indiv- you do? Yes. Sorry. I did not mean to cut you off there at no, all. No, tell yes, me. No, no, a hundred percent. So um, I don't know. I think we've discussed this when we met in person, but you know, in psychology, there's always this debate of nature versus nurture. And I always like to bring it back to that because I just love that, you know, where like nature is, we were born with a blank slate, everything, 
um, no, sorry, nature is that we're born with everything like in our genetic markers. So you are who you are, you're born with it. And that's just how you're going to be. Whereas nurture is you're born with a blank slate and then everything that's around you, your environment, the society you're in, everything that influences you creates the person that you are. And I'm a firm believer that you're both, you are nature and nurture. Um, but I really see the nurture when I, when I'm working with my clients, I can see a huge difference when it's someone, for example, from England, they have such a hard time admitting an emotion. I had a client that whenever I'd asked her how she felt, she said, yeah, I'm like, that's not an emotion. She's like, oh, um, yeah. I'm like, that's still not an emotion, you know? And, and another client where uh, there was this repeated, you know, blockage where it just showing emotions, feeling emotions was seen as weakness. And she had linked wow. the emotion to weakness. And so had this really big issue because she was actually a very emotional person. She was an mm. empath or is an empath. And she feels things really strongly on an emotional, empathetic level, but was always socially afraid to show that. And so is just always hiding this huge aspect of herself. Whereas Americans, for example, or, you know, maybe not Americans in terms of like they've lived there their whole life, but like they could be American from American background or they could have lived in the States. They have huge societal pressure. So it's very much an awareness of how am I going to be perceived? If I do this, mm. if I act this way, if I say this, how am I going to be perceived? And topics such as money and a career and family. So if you're in, you know, between 25 and, and above, actually, um, and a woman, that question about, you know, family and marriage comes into question and it becomes this huge pressure and there's all these expectations. And yeah, I found that Europeans, you know, are much easier. They're okay with everything. Um, and then also a few German clients where it's like the morals are so important. And so having like good time integrity, you know, um, and just knowing right from wrong and all these things are very, very high on their value list, but they felt very misperceived by those around them because it wasn't so high on other people's values list. So it's almost like they weren't understood by the people closest to them because maybe they weren't German. And so it was, mm. a, you know, with them, it was working on a way to one, honor themselves, but also explaining to those around you, you know, it's not that I'm impatient. It's that I really value time. I value your time. I would never mm. show up five minutes late and I would expect the same courtesy and finding a way to make that work. And so I've definitely found that there are very specific cultural things that I have to work on with each client that I work with. Interesting. I find this super fascinating because like, you know, yeah. it, it, like uh, does psychology itself differ from culture to culture? Like, in what or, terms? So, like, is the framework essentially the same in all humans? As in, like, you know, dealing with disorders, dealing like with like the right. So the way that you get the way that you analyze or treat disorders. So technically, a lot of it is dictated by the state. So a lot of the treatment methods um, is dictated by the state. So we have the diagnostic manual, um, the DSM. And right now it's the DSM-5, and this is um, created by the American um, Psychiatric Association called APA. And then you also have one by a European board, which I believe is called IC, and we're on IC-10 or 11 right now. Mm -hmm. um, and so they each differ in terms of like diagnostic criteria and treatment, but they're very similar. And so okay. a lot of it is just based off of those books and that material. Um, when we were learning about it in university as well it was just this is conditioning this is how everyone gets conditioned this is 
mm-hmm. you know, behavioral therapy or learning therapy or, you know, anything. And it was just always generalized. There wasn't yeah. any cultural differences. Um, it does get taken into consideration. So um, I found social psychology very interesting because it does take these things more into consideration. You know, how does something differ from society to society? Um, but it is very clear that a lot of the research in psychology is still pretty much based in the States. So mm-hmm. if you were to research a topic such as racism, um, most of the research that you find is based in the States. Um, and of course, racism is experienced extremely different in the States than it would be in other countries. Yes. Um, when I was living in the Caribbean, it was actually almost in reverse in terms that, you know, black people had never experienced racism. My partner never experienced racism until we moved to Europe and you felt more observed and judged and little being white, mm-hmm. um, which was very interesting to experience as well. And so, yeah, for sure. Like, I don't think that psychology as a whole um, in its like doctrine and in its studies takes culture into consideration. But I do know that psychologists in the way that they work with people do take culture into consideration. Nice. And just for the listeners, can you explain your background and like where are you from? Where are you just so they know okay, where you're so, <laughs> culturally? Where are you from? Okay, so I was born in Germany, but my dad is um, Armenian heritage. So before the genocide in Armenia, when Armenia was a huge empire, um, but he was raised in Lebanon, so Arabic family and Arabic sort of culture. And then my mom is German mixed with Danish. Um, I then moved to Spain when I was about five. I lived here, so I've done all my schooling, my you know degree in Spain. And then I, I moved around a bit. And then I lived in the Caribbean, which is where I worked as a therapist. So I was living there for three years and I worked as a therapist directly doing one-on-one sessions. And then I also worked in a preschool for a while, for about a year. Um, and I was the head of the special needs department there. And so I was overseeing all the special needs kids and that, and that's where my partner's from. So it's from an island called Cayman Islands, um, which is near Jamaica. And he's half Caymanian, half Jamaican. Lovely. I love that. I love all the culture. I love all the mix all of, of cultures <laughs> in you. It's fantastic. It's so good. It's so good. I love that so much. And uh, I love your experience and where you've been and what you've been doing. And it's fantastic. Like it's amazing. And so if we now look at the question, how does culture affect alter connection? Because a lot of people, no one thinks about this. Like you've, you've, you obviously have a lot of different cultures um, in your blood and, and you've lived around lots of different cultures. What have you noticed? How does culture alter connection? Well, I mean, I think, you know, connection always starts with an introduction, right? And I think just on that, culture alters it extremely. So, mm-hmm. you know, and you can base it on stereotypes saying that Germans are cold. But I, for example, I have experienced how different it is, how much easier it is for me to connect with certain cultures. So Brazilians, I find, are the easiest people to connect to because they come across genuine and sweet. That's their culture. Their culture is to be kind and helpful and to be almost curious you know when they meet you they ask you questions and they generally mean it whereas some cultures it's it's not so polite to ask so many questions Germans we would definitely not feel comfortable asking you a bunch of questions so then it takes longer to connect to a German person than it would to a Brazilian person because we take longer to get to know we also take longer to ask you questions and to feel comfortable to ask you questions so it takes longer for us to get to know you as a person and so just on that first basis of introduction it really does alter a connection just because of the way that we go into introductions, but also, you know, 
how do you identify as a person alters based on your culture, who you are, how you see yourself, how comfortable you feel talking about things, how comfortable you feel talking about yourself, how comfortable you feel sharing, how open you are. That alters based on the culture that you have, I would find. What do you think? That is so interesting. Because well, I was thinking about this question and being from Melbourne, like my, my, you know, born and raised in Australia in Melbourne, but background's Egyptian. And my friends are from all over the world. Like they've come to mm-hmm. Australia when they were six or five or seven, but they're like, you know, from all different backgrounds, Indians, Italians, Croatians, Macedonia, like just everywhere and anywhere. And I never thought that I'd had, like, are we some in such strong multicultural cultures? Are we mm-hmm. like in a way or doing it, like getting to know people in different ways depending on the person's background but like not thinking about it like I don't know I feel like it's something that needs to be taken into consideration but in such strong multicultural cult like uh, societies Mm -hmm. it's we must be equipped to do it somehow yeah like it becomes more complex but I almost feel like it's actually in the reverse I find Mm. that people who come from a multicultural background don't necessarily have that much specific cultural influence in them. So, sorry. Um, So like, basically, I don't feel like I have a very German presence and I don't feel that like a client of mine who has a few different languages or different cultures in them doesn't have such a strong German presence either, or maybe English, you know? And I feel like because those people in themselves already have this mix of culture, it's almost like you're automatically open to new cultures and you're Mm. more aware that everyone is different so you're much more accommodating whereas if you are you know Spanish 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 or just purely American or purely German and that's you know who you've been surrounding yourselves with as well meeting someone else from a different culture can be such a shock to the system Mm. because everything they do is different every way they interact is different even just how close we stand to each other. So if you meet mm-hmm. someone new in certain countries, it's so polite to, you know, get super close. In Spanish, we give two kisses, um, you know, and that's okay. And that's that's normal and it's, it's comfortable. But to other cultures, it's respectful to leave that person some space, to have that, you know, personal bubble. And so I think it's almost like we who are multicultural got blessed because we have this, open mentality of like life is complex everyone's different you know everyone has their own little quirks and and I I really I I feel like I look for them when I look I meet people and I try to connect to people and I'm excited to see how people are through connecting with them if that makes sense yeah so what do you mean connecting with people who are also multicultural or people who aren't both. I feel that when I connect with people who are multicultural, I can see similarities in myself um, um, on a really cultural level. So like the fact that they maybe aren't so patriarchal or the fact that they maybe don't identify so much with one culture or another culture or that they almost say that, you know, I'm a little bit of everywhere and I'm a free bird. But I, what I find really interesting is when I meet different people. So when I went to the States for the first time, I'd only ever seen American people, purely American people on TV. I'd always met people who were like, yeah, I'm American, but I grew up here. Or my parents um, are American, but I was born here. Or mom is this and dad is that. And so I'd never really met anyone who was American and lived in the States. And so I was really curious to see what it would be like when I went to the States. And it was a culture shock. It was 
crazy to me how open they were. They would just immediately tell you everything about their lives and they would just wear these extravagant versions of themselves and were so comfortable being that. And I was really, really aware of this. And it made me feel so comfortable to also, you know, talk more about myself and and be a stronger version of myself, even though that's not necessarily the role that I usually play when I meet people. And so I find that I have this hyper awareness of almost like, okay, if that person feels really comfortable, I'm going to also then reciprocate that. But if that person is a little bit more shy, I'm also going to try and respect that. But like you said, I don't think that this is something that a lot of people take into consideration. No, people don't take into consideration at all. I actually like ask a lot of people these questions like, I never thought about that. I never thought about yeah. taking into co- someone's culture as to how I should best get to know them or, or what are the you know best ways to understand them. But I like that. I think being, you know, living cultures and being multicultured, we're able to adjust to the person. We're able to adjust yeah. to and see, okay, and suss it out. And, like, we are hyper aware, I think, to to getting to know people. How can people, though, who, who are maybe um, predominantly in one culture, Mm-hmm. If they they have some openness to getting to know other people, how should they go about doing that from, you know, with someone from a different culture? Like what is the, you know, what do you need, what should you be aware of to to, to go about doing that? I, know it's so I think hard. it's hard Depends. because, well, one of the things that I talk a lot about in coaching is like perception, right, is how we are perceived by people and every single person that comes into contact with you is has a different perception of you based on their reality. So when Mm -hmm. it comes to, you know, wanting to see a person for who they truly are, it's really weird because you always in some way or another going to see them through your own perception, through your own reality. I think what's really important is to let go of any judgment. So if let's say you're meeting someone who is extremely quiet and who doesn't ask any questions, it can be easy to think, well, you know, they were, rude or uninterested and perhaps Mm. it's just in their culture not to be so direct and forward and to ask so many questions perhaps it's in their culture to you know be a little bit more restrained listen be polite be respectful give that person the time to to introduce themselves Um, I think also asking questions asking a person you know how comfortable are you speaking about this or is it okay if I ask you where you're from Um, I think questions as a way are just always a really good way to get to know each other and not just you know what's your name where are you from but also like you know what do you feel comfortable doing or is it okay if I ask you a little bit more personal questions and really treating everyone with respect and with a little bit of like that mental idea of what may be really comfortable for you is not necessarily comfortable for someone else absolutely absolutely I like I like what you said there like I think you know let's not make assumptions and ask more questions Mm -hmm. I think if yeah. we if we if we tackle like not tackle but like you know have bear that in mind you I, you can you know um, get to know people because it's already people are already taken back by that it's like oh are you okay with me asking you a little bit more personal questions just to get to know you people like nobody mm-hmm. nobody asks that question yeah and also you know sharing what's really typical so if I meet someone that I know is not Spanish and you know. Maybe they're German and Germans would normally, you know, give their hand and shake your hand. I will ask them. So in Spain, it's really typical for us to give two kisses. Do you feel comfortable for me to give you two kisses or should I give you my hand? And then they'll tell me what they feel more comfortable with. So I know, okay, this person feels comfortable to get a little closer or it doesn't. So (laughs) 
that kind of awareness. But again, like it is just having a little bit awareness around the situation and yeah, letting go of stereotypes and judgment. Um, but it is really hard, I would say. And you super hard. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I think usually what happens is that people actually notice these things after they've met a person a few times. So maybe they thought that that person was really nosy or really, you know, um, egocentrical because they just spoke about themselves the whole time or really cold because they didn't ask anything. And then they meet that person and they actually get to meet that person past that first stage. They start to learn like, oh, okay, in Germany, it's not normal to ask questions or to be so forward. Or in this Mm. culture, it's actually really normal to tell the person you've just met everything about you. And then you can let go of that judgment or that preconceived idea that you've had of that person. But it is really hard. It does take time. Yeah, definitely does. But I think it was great. Like, I think people need to be aware of that. Like you said, mm-hmm. like all those things that you just said there, that's beautiful because people aren't aware. Give people more time as well. Like yeah. Give people more time. You'll, you'll see you'll see them differently. Don't take the first uh, interaction, especially if, if you're from a different culture and so, so is somebody else. Like, if you're not aware, you know, you haven't lived in that culture, you don't know how they, you know, communicate. Then, For sure. I yeah, think- give that person another chance. Yeah. And I mean, nowadays it's quite hard because you're constantly meeting people from different cultures. If you're living in a city, like you're in Madrid, I'm in Barcelona, like I'm constantly meeting people who are from all over the world. So it's very hard to remember, you know, everyone's sort of cultural comfort zone. But if you're traveling somewhere, what I always find really interesting to do is to also do a little bit of research on the customs there. So not just where can I go, what can I eat, but also, you know, how do people feel comfortable what is like some traditions there what is rude to say there because um in thailand it's actually really rude to point your feet at someone because the feet is Mm. the lowest part of your body and so the feet is like the worst part of your body so if you're sitting and your feet are pointing towards someone it's almost like you're insulting them it's also extremely rude to touch someone on the top of the head because the head is the most sacred part of them And so this is something that I learned before I went to Thailand. And while we were there, I was traveling with my ex-partner. I explained all these things to him. And we once saw, you know, someone touch another person, a Thai person on the head. And the Thai person got so upset and the person had no idea what they had done. She kind of just, you know, was trying to be really nice and really friendly. And and I then explained the custom and, and, you know, the culture. And and she was so apologetic and was so sweet about it. but it's just really interesting how these little things, which could mean nothing to you, make a huge difference to someone else. So I think if you are traveling and if you are trying to immerse yourself in more cultures, just do some research. We have Google, you know, there's yeah. <laughs> endless information out there. It's so great. Absolutely. And even just like eye contact as well, like some cultures, like mm-hmm. you don't look in the eyes and certain things like that. Yeah. I know when I first came to Spain and I was just walking in the street and like I'm like a smiley person and I would sometimes just smile at people and I'm walking past mm-hmm. them like cute old ladies or something like that. And they would just keep staring back and no smile at all. I'm like, oh no, did I do something wrong <laughs> or something? But I'm just like, oh, they don't do that here. Okay. No, they don't smile back. It's also really customary in Spain to just stare at someone like unapologetically. Yeah. And my partner's still getting used to that. He's like, they just don't even like hide it. I'm like, no, no, it's, it's an socially acceptable here. But you think there'd be a smile with it, but there isn't. It's just a staring. And I'm like, that, uh, did I do something? No, it's it's curiosity, right? It's people yeah, it's staring curiosity. at you because they're like, oh, I wonder who she is, or yeah. I don't know what goes through their head, but it is, it's curiosity. But yeah, the stern face makes you think that you've done something wrong. I'm like, oh, I know what's in, like, I'm looking at myself, checking what I'm wearing, what's going on, <laughs> something's wrong here. 
Yeah. No. So yeah. Funny. Super. It, it's super interesting. What are some What are some ways? Like, if we could give the listeners a bit of a like a advice to look at, like a few different things to to take into consideration or to be aware of when approaching um, people of uh, of different cultures to them. I mean, body language usually tells you a lot. So if a person is like, you know, quite open, they're like their chest is open and forward and they're coming towards you and they're standing up proud, like they are extremely comfortable. But if a person is kind of looking at their feet, you know, slumped down a little bit, their feet are actually not even pointed at you, kind of pointing away, they are much more uncomfortable in that situation. So maybe just being respectful to that of tips. Mm. I'm not great at giving tips. The whole part of coaching is to not give tips. So this <laughs> kind of catches me off guard, not going to lie. Um, but just sometimes the best thing to do is to let the other person lead, right? So if you're not sure what's culturally appropriate is that it's just letting the other person lead. So if that person is really quiet, then respecting that and being quiet as well. If that person is asking a lot of questions then you know, you can bounce some questions back at them. If that person is telling you a few funny stories about themselves, then you can mirror back that back at them. So mirroring a person really is, is really nice sign of respect as well. And it's, mm-hmm. it's also you showing that like, okay, I, I'm going to do what you're doing and I'm going to meet you where you are in your comfort zone. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. No, I love that. I love all of that. And uh, you're absolutely like, like, you're right. Like, I'm just trying to think as you're talking, I'm like, do I do that? Do I? I'm, like, do I? <laughs> I'm just trying to like go through like what I do. I have to say, like moving to Spain for myself, mm-hmm. I have found it uh, most of my friends that I click with and that I uh, get quite close to are um, not born here usually yeah usually from the like uh you know like me and you clicked when we when we first met yeah <laughs> and like other people who are like I'm quite close to here from like Mexico or from all they're half Spanish half Chilean or they're from Colombia mm-hmm. or, or the Colombian or or places like that and I, I find for me I have some close Spanish friends but I've and they do tell me it's like you know I, I don't have any other international friends that I'm friends with only you and I'm like, I know I'm doing something to get closer, but sometimes I feel like, you know, there are like a blockage. Within, there's a blockage, and they're not letting me. Mm-hmm. Like I want to get to know them, I want to get in, but they just they make it difficult. Yes. So see, this is another thing that I have found as well, and it's not just in Spain. I feel that it's everywhere except for Brazil. Again, like. I love Brazilians. <laughs> I think Brazilians could teach us all a, a ton of stuff. Okay. They're just, yeah. they're beautiful. The way that they go about life is just beautiful. Their mentality and the way that they treat foreigners is wonderful. But um, I do find that when you go to a country, it is way harder to meet the locals and to become friends with the locals than it is to become friends with the expats. And one of the main reasons I think is again, this cultural connection, they find it hard to understand us. They find it so much easier to understand each other. So when I was going to high school here, most of my friends were expats and I went to university down South in Granada. I was the only expat in the class of 60 students and I had no choice but to merge myself into this friendship group and just make them be friends with me. And I noticed that there were so many things that even though I had grown up in Spain my entire life, there was this huge part of the Spanish culture that I'd never experienced. You know, all these home-cooked meals that they would talk about their parents. My mom never made those. These TV shows that they would watch, comics that they would read, games that they would play as kids. There was still this huge amount of life that I hadn't experienced, this huge Spanish experience that I never had. And so it was beautiful because a lot of the time when they were comparing notes, 
I had a choice to either be like, oh, I can't talk about this subject and I can't connect, or I could sit there and then ask questions. And so that's what I did. I asked questions and they showed me their TV shows and they they made their parents, um, you know, cook them meals when they would go to visit and then they would save me a Tupperware and share it with me. And so it just created this beautiful space of growth for me to really get to know the Spanish culture more. But I had to be the one that forced myself in because for them, it was so easy to just bounce off each other. Like, oh yeah, you watched this. No, oh, yeah, you did this. And I'm just like quietly sitting in the corner. And so I feel like that is another reason that it's harder to get to know locals because we already have so much different to them. Even just the fact that you are from a different country moving to their country, that's already the biggest thing that separates you from them. And that's also the biggest thing that puts you into contact with other expats who are in that country. You've all mm. come from somewhere and decided to move to Spain. So you can talk about, you know, why you all moved to Spain and how you've experienced that Spanish experience. And so that's a really great way of connecting with others, but it's also, again, that separation. Yeah. So why are the Brazilians different then? <laughs> they're, just, they're just so open. They're just, honestly, like, they don't care where you're from or who you are. They're curious. They're really, really curious. It's almost like talking to a child. You ever, like, met children? I mean, yeah. you work with children, right, as well. Yeah. So they're just curious. If you wear a yellow T-shirt or something, they'll ask you why you wore that T-shirt that day, and they genuinely want to know. Um, and Brazil, the Brazilians are just like that. They genuinely want to know. They don't ask questions out of social etiquette or because you should when you meet someone. They only ask you what they want to know. And they'll skip the most random questions. Like they may not even ask you your name and your age, but they'll ask you like, why are you in Brazil? They get straight to the point. I'm like, oh yeah, because I really love your country. What do you like about my country? Tell me more. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, you haven't even seen half of it. Let me show you the rest. You know, it's like immediately like, just come here. Let me take you into my country. Let me welcome you. I think we can all learn from the Brazilians. Like they're just amazing. Um, that sounds beautiful. I want to go. Yes. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. Yeah, really oh, you should go. The curiosity just, I think I'm going to love those Brazilian. Oh, yeah, I have met, love I have them. met you a have few, ever, but I have them all on your podcast. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I probably would. I probably would. Well, thank you so much, Dee, for coming on the podcast. It's been amazing. And um, where? Well, I'd love to always ask all my guest speakers at the end of each uh, conversation, how has the conversation with me right now made you reflect or highlight anything to you? Okay, well, first of all, I want to say thank you for inviting me on this podcast. Um, it really did. When you asked me this question about cultural connection, it's really made me reflect on how important that is. And it's actually motivated me to start doing my own research, um, not just through this conversation that we've had here, but also before this podcast. And I'm actually going to want to do a more cultural influenced program with my coaching. So I think it's really opened the door for me for growth. And I really thank you for that. Thank you so much. That was so great to hear that. And so um, Dee, where can the listeners find you? So they can find me on Instagram. So it's D double E dot Talatinian. My last name is not easy to find um, on Instagram and then coaching with D. So again, D and then double E dot com. That's my website. And my Instagram is on my website. So you can just find me through there. Fantastic. And, yeah. and I'll tag that in the, in the show description. Well, thank you so much for joining Amazing. me on, on the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you for listening to Get to Know You. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate, review, and share the podcast on Facebook or Instagram. You can tag me at Get to Know You with Tiffany Farrick. In my mission to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, I want to hear from you listeners. The question again, how does culture alter connection? Leave an audio, video, or a message on the Facebook or Instagram page of your response to today's question, including your name and where you are from. We will include some different responses in next week's Get to Know You Cafe to further deepen dialogue on this topic. If you have any topics you would like us to discuss, be sure to tag me in a post with your question. Join us every Tuesday on Get to Know You.